Welcome one and all to the DL Debate. Thanks so much for tuning in. That's season five. What an opener we have for you this evening. The one and only Jim McGuinness, our county manager. I got a great in-depth chat with him earlier. The second coming of Jim. We're all very excited by this. And of course, Donegal's start to the season. I'm going to catch up with him. Of course, we talked many of the questions that you have from, you know, around GA at the minute and, and it's different from his previous uh, tenure with Donegal and of course the year ahead and his trip around the world of course and soccer and, and everything that he brought that he's brought back now to, to Donegal. A fascinating chat. I hope you enjoy hope you're gonna enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, I'm here of course with Joe Dex producing as ever. He's back again. Good man, Joe and of course head of sport Ash and Kelly. I want to thank of course Sister Sarah's Kieran Brogan and all the crew down there for their ongoing Support and everybody who inputs the show. We're going to have a few different guests on this year, change the format up uh, slightly at times, and uh, that's all coming in the next couple of weeks. I want to say, first of all, well done to John McNulty and the Donegal Ladies in their league opener in Division 2, away to Leash. A comfortable victory for them in hard fought conditions. Well done to John and the girls. We'll be getting more updates from the ladies as the few weeks go on from the likes of John and from Maureen. O'Donnell. I'd also like to congratulate uh, the Wadi Grahams of Glen. I'm sure you all seen it there yesterday. That was a, an epic victory. Uh, you really took the game. Talk about the jaws of defeat. Uh, and, you know, finals, everyone had backed them to the hilt, thinking it was a straightforward victory. And, of course, finals rarely are, but they looked down and out. And it was a, a, an amazing last couple of minutes here to come back and snatch victory. Uh, as I say, journalist and author, and a man that lives up in the area, Michael McMullen, will be live from the centre of Mahara uh, later in the show to discuss uh, the game itself and, of course, the buzz around the town. But now, as I said, I went to the lovely town of Chrysler earlier today and I caught up with the man himself, Jim McGuinness. Here's what I had to say. Jim, um, are you as happy to be back for your second tenure as, as us Donegal fans are to have you back? What, what's the feeling? I am, I'm happy, Brendan. Um, obviously, this week, anyway, uh, start of the National League, looking forward to it. Um, you know, we've had a good old campaign there in terms of the pre-season. Uh, I suppose when you're going back in, um, you know, you're always trying to get to the bottom of a lot of questions, um, you know, energy levels and, um, you know, what's in the group and how much do they want it and all that type of thing. Uh, and in fairness to the lads, they've been, they've been excellent. They've worked really, really hard. Um, we've obviously throwing the net fairly wide in terms of looking for new players uh, and young players and players for the future and players for for the present if you like and uh, and that's been a, a great um, a great um, a success I think in terms of looking at the squad and what the squad could be now and what the it could be in the future so um, very happy with their their work rate and their endeavor up to this point we had a good McKenna Cup campaign um, disappointed and set in the second half, particularly, um, I think apart from that, it was it was quite a good performance in the first half um, against a very stiff breeze. So, no, we, we take a lot of positives from that. Certainly, a lot of positives from the pre-season in general, and we're looking forward now to the start of the National League. And this is where, where in many respects, where it really, really starts to starts to kick in. You know, Jim, your first tenure in charge of Donegal, twenty eleven, phenomenal four years. You know that the the three Ulster championships, the, the All Ireland, the second All Ireland final, that epic semi final one against Dublin. You know, was history making stuff, Jim? I'm just wondering from your your introduction in twenty eleven, are there any similarities between the start of that tenure and this one, or has football completely changed now? 
I think so, Brent. I think, I suppose, expectation uh, would be one word that would come into my mind. Um, you know, the expectation level at that stage was very low. Um, and obviously, we're on the back of a very tough run in Donegal at the minute. And I suppose the expectation level um, would be in a similar place or was in a similar place. Uh, so I think the job is, is quite similar in that regard. We have to try and find a way, I suppose, to find new players, um, to bring new people uh, into the fold, build a team. Uh, build a style of play and uh, obviously the most important thing is build that confidence uh, that will come with that and uh, hopefully then get to a point you know in the not too distant future that we were very very competitive like I've said many many times before you know there's no there's no guarantees in football there's no guarantees in life and uh, if you're if you're in really good shape and you're really tuned in and you're training really hard the only thing that that gives you is the opportunity to be competitive um, and then you've got to get into an environment where uh, there's a lot of other teams out there that are looking to do all of the same things. So, um, so the challenges are the same. But I suppose in terms of your question, like my belief system in terms of coming back would have been the same then. And that is we always have good football players. And sometimes, you know, um, uh, the key is trying to get the best out of them. Uh, and I think that is probably one of the most important jobs uh, over the next number of weeks and months is to find a way um, for them to sort of grow uh, together and the team to grow together, uh, you know, and get scores on the board and be competitive and, uh, and put ourselves in a position where we're going to Celtic Park in the summer that we can give a good account of ourselves. Yeah, and it was interesting, Jim, but people I think are overanalyzing maybe this um, became a cup final a bit because if you look back from your last tenure there, you know, there was so much happening. I know the tactic that Donegal brought in, in, in many ways, caught a lot of teams out and a lot of teams murdered and copied it uh, years after it. But there was so many players increased their own abilities substantially, you know, became the very best of what they are. And uh, as people look, people are trying to match us up to, towards other counties, isn't it? But I think individually and then collectively, you know, you'll bring a huge lift to these guys and unearth a few new players. That's the, the, I suppose that's the plan. It is. I think the two things run uh, side by side. You have to come up with a plan that's going to fit into their skill set and you have to develop them at an individual level and then you have to develop a, a, a team and a style of play and a culture. Um, you know, that's going to sort of hopefully uh, bring the group together. And when I say the group, I'm talking about the backroom team as well. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people now that sort of impact, um, you know, on the player the players that are on the pitch and everybody. Um, you know, I always try to have people in and around it that, you know, have a very clear, specific job um, in terms of supporting the team and then obviously trying to get them to, to be in the best position possible to go and do that as you're talking about go and express themselves and a big part of that is the game plan as well having clarity around things knowing what your job is knowing um what the opposition want to do and how you can impact that and so you know i think you're probably right there was a lot made of the, the mckenna cup like you know previously we wouldn't have uh, we wouldn't have put as the same emphasis on it at all but i think one of the reasons for that was um we were very, very focused at that time and just working on our fitness because we knew that whenever the league finished, we would still have uh, time to get a lot of stuff done. Um, whereas this time around, um, because of the split season and the fact that, uh, you know, the McKenna Cup runs into the league and the league runs straight into the championship, you know, you have to use that really as a, a springboard, you know, to get your fitness levels up and to get your game plan up because... Like even going back to them years you were speaking about, Brenton, 
you could have had a situation where we say we played Cavan or Derry or whatever it was in the first round of the championship and you might have had one or two fellas, maybe a grade one hamstring and a, and a tight hamstring and everything. Um, them fellas are probably gone now. They're not going to play in the next game, whereas previously it was a three-week or a four-week um, turnaround to the next game. So you could have had you know, your squad and you could have had your team and then chances are, you know, bar... Bar something pretty, you know, more on the more serious side, they were going to be available for the next game. But that's 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 gone, and that's why I said, you know, you have to cast the net, you know, wide. You have to try and find as many players as possible. You have to try and as much find as much cover as possible. But we're not at that point yet because we're still trying to find out who's the best player for the position. But you need two people for every position. You really do like and and not sort of you know token you know, tokenism if you like. They have to be fellas that can actually step in and, and play because um, you know, those turnarounds are, are much, much less than they were previously. Yeah. And Jim, just just on that, you know, the on the on the last ten you you spoke a lot about the journey. What what a journey you've been on yourself. You know, when you left Donegal last you went to Celtic performance coach, you did your coaching badges. You then we got the news you were heading to Beijing uh, as assistant coach. Then you become head coach at Charlotte. You know what a trip you've been on yourself, Jim. I suppose everybody's wondering uh, how has that impacted your overall coaching now and and the trip you're on and what you've learned and and how you've grown in terms of now coming back to GA. Uh, it's, it's a good question, Brendan. Like because like obviously when I made that decision, uh, you know I knew the road that was ahead of me, and it's a very very long road because all of the things that we would take for granted. Um, uh, in a GEA context are things you're learning for the first time uh, so that imposter syndrome is very 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 high uh, when you're trying to find your feet you're trying to understand the game you're trying to understand how you could train it you're trying to understand tactics you know all of those things are building and developing over years and it does it does uh, take years and then when you're in like four years, five years, six years, you know, and that sort of is your life and it's kind of full time and it's 24 hours a day, um, you know, there is this kind of crossover between your Gaelic back and your soccer background. And then there was this kind of sense of everything merging at some stage and then you move across um, the, the divide almost, you know, and uh, and then you're always, you know, you're, uh, initially your impulses are so strong towards the GAA because that's all you know. Um, and so uh, that part of it has been interesting, but coming back has been very easy because them instincts are still there. But I do believe there is a lot of things from a soccer point of view as well that now are embedded, if you like, in your thinking. Um, so the journey continues in that regard, and and uh, and that another another book. I don't know about another <laughs> book. There'll be no book, not Nelster's, uh, not Nelster's results. That's for sure. Uh, and and that's what we want out of this journey. We want we want you know like the bottom line is we want to try and put Donegal in a better place, and we want to try and strive to to move up the ladder and make ourselves competitive again, again sorry in the in the provincial championship, and then and then go from there. And that's really. All we're focused on at the minute, Brendan. Yeah, Jim, it's, a, it's an absolutely phen phenomenal, fascinating story. I don't know many people couldn't take on what you did in that time. And I think a lot of that is down not just down to your coaching, your attitude, but your personality. I remember when you first it came up about the Donegal job, and people were talking to me, and I only knew a bit about your your tactical uh, input in terms of your philosophy. Obviously, you captained me at Donegal, and you know we had some good times together. But I, personally, in a group. 
you're always a great man and, and, and I thought then that was going to help you so much and it probably helped you a lot on that journey that you were on but even though you were obviously going to I mean China the language barrier and how all that worked and then of course Charlotte coming late in and the players and that was a very very difficult outcome but you just mentioned about being back here and I, I just noticed from you when I talked to you after Ross Common how kind of content you were in terms of I'm back now and, and ready to give Donegal. I could see it from you. You're very comfortable in terms of applying again your principles back into Donegal. And I suppose that's the big thing now, Jim, with you being back in here. Everybody now, after last year's situation, we've not been able to find a manager. We're very, very lucky to have you back in in terms of what you can bring to Donegal. And I think after your next tenure, there might be some of those players that you coached in 2012 ready. But just at this point, there wasn't anybody ready. So between between the timing of that being right for us and you, Jim, was it something you always thought you would come back in terms of taking Donegal? Uh, well, I, you know, it's, it was one of those ones sort of uh, never say never. I suppose just in, 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 in the comment you made there about sort of seeing that in me and, and, and Bally Shannon for the Ross Common game, like I, I firmly believe that, you know, if you're going to do something, you have to fully, fully focus on it. Uh, and that's what I, I am doing now. I'm fully focused on, on this job and fully focused on trying to make it the best possible version of itself and trying to get the most out of them fellas. You know, I think that's the only way, that's the only way anything can work. And the same with, with the soccer, like, a, you know, before taking the job and where Donegal, where Donegal were and, and how, you know, I ended up taking it based on, on where they were. You know, I just finished my pro licence, you know, so I want to go back there someday too, you know, and I, and I do want to go back there someday um, uh, in the future and nobody knows what the future holds, obviously, and, and how you might feel, um, uh, you know, further on in your life, but that's something definitely that I want to I want to revisit at some time in the future. So, um, so, and that'll be a full focus then, and, you know, and so for now, um, we're here and uh, Donegal are where they are and... Uh, I now just have to give it absolutely everything and, and focus um, every single day in terms of the team and what the team needs and try and... Uh, like, you asked the question earlier there about sort of the, the similarities. The similarities are very similar, Brendan. There's a lot of gaps and a lot there's the gaps that have to be closed and you have to fill those gaps. Um, and that sometimes that's about fitness, sometimes it's about tactics, sometimes it's about culture, sometimes it's about, you know, kickouts, whatever it is, but there's gaps appearing all the time. And the secret is to identify them as quickly as possible and come up with a solution for them and fill that gap. Uh, and, you know, we played Derry the last night and, you know, they looked a uh, million dollars in, in, in the second half there. But, you know, they're four years into their into their sort of um, system and style of play. And it was nice to be there, nice to be on the sideline and see it that close uh, from, from my own point of view. Um, and um, and they're really good at what they do, and that's a, a byproduct of the work that they're doing consistently. You know, night after night, season after season now, um, and so we're just climbing that ladder now, uh, and that's good. And uh, and we're road testing things as well. And there's a, an unpredictability to some of the things that we're doing at the minute, uh, which is fine as well. Um, and um, and you know, our job is to f sort of settle on things you know midway through this league the end of this league and and then sort of come up with a plan hopefully that can be Im Im impactful in the provincial championship in, in the summer jim you just mentioned the the start of the league now 
uh, we, we, had a, we had a wee joke about it in Ross Common. I said, it's a priority to go up. You said, if we, if we do go up, it was it. If we don't, it wasn't. <laughs> but, but Jim, is, is it important in the evolution of, of the team in terms of, you did it the last time in 2011, we were on about those similarities in terms of coming up to be back in the top flight. We've seen Derry, of course, needed a second go at it. You know, Division 2, nothing could be taken for granted. And, and so it's going to be a tough league campaign, as you're saying, Jim. I think probably different from last number of years, as, as the top divisions got better, it's pushed Division 2 to be better as well. Mm-hmm. And as you said, there's a lot of percentages where everybody's trying to gain that extra yard, which maybe years before, teams at the top teams have been down from Division 1 generally come up. And the two often, it was a few years, Calvin and Roscommon, yo-yoed in that. So you had a top six, seven core teams that really didn't go down. If they did, they come straight up. But I think that landscape's changing now, you know, particularly with the likes of Galway coming back in there, Armagh coming back in it, now Derry's back in there. Mm-hmm. So it's really made the top one and two a lot more competitive than they were going back a number of years ago. No, I totally agree. Like, I mean, we've Cork coming uh, to uh, to Donegal on Sunday and, um, you know, they are a team, you know, probably... They're not as far on uh, as Derry, but they're definitely a team that has been together for a couple of years now, and they're moving up. They're moving up the ladder, uh, and they they showed that last summer uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the performances they put in. So that's going to be a, a very a tough nut to crack for us. You know, our Maz in the division, they were in the Ulster final last year. You know, took the game to penalties against Derry. You know, you've got Mead there, you've got Kildare there. You know, so there's 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 a lot of really good teams there. Um, that we're going to have to contend with, but that's good. Like that's where we want to be. Um, you know, it's very, very important uh, from my own point of view. Anyway, you know that we um, we try to do our absolute best for the people of Donegal, particularly them games that are at home. We need to make sure that we're uh, we're on it as best we can on, on Sunday and put our best foot forward and take the game to Cork and ask as many questions as possible. Hopefully, that's enough to to get two points on the board on the first day because that um, it is it's the, your first game is a very important game. It gives you that platform for the rest of the season. Um, and if you can get a positive result in your first day, um, you know your momentum is already building. So um, Cork will be looking at that the exact same way. You know they will feel probably coming to Donegal if they can get a good result that that'll set them up as well um, for for the next six games. So um, so yeah, um, we're we're uh, we understand where we're at and we understand that this is a a really big game for us and we have to prepare accordingly. And Jim, see the the overall philosophy. You know. You look at everybody now. Do you do you get a feeling everybody's playing something similar type game? You know, they pack their defence, they, they break at pace. There's a lot of work on kickouts. Is it something now you see every side kind of has in their round a similar tactic? So then it really comes down to like fitness, strength, composure on the ball, and really, I suppose maybe then those players that have that real ability, maybe they open up the play or or they have an out and out talent for scoring. They then make the difference between the teams. Yeah, listen, I think that that has always been the case in many respects. Like, you know, going back, you know, through decades, the team that won the All-Ireland, you know, that was what most people coached the following year. You know, you're looking at the best, uh, you know, the, the best product that's out there in that current year. People will always look at what they're doing and they'll always try to sort of um, bring those elements into their own um, into their own group and into their own uh, environment, you know. Um from the the big difference from the last time I was there was the game now is very much about possession, um, and it's hard to get the ball off 
players now, uh, players' skill level on the ball. You've seen that yourself uh, and on uh, Saturday evening with the Derry lads. You know they can they can uh, take a lot of heat on the ball and still manage to retain it and solo and solo out of situations. That wouldn't have been the case uh, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. Um, players would probably have, have coughed that ball up. So people are the skill levels in terms of retaining the possession at an individual level have gone higher, and then tactics then are impacting as well. Um, you know, you talk a lot about sort of defensive teams and defensive structures, but if you can get your short kickouts away, and a lot of teams are doing this, Ross Common do it, you know, Derry do it, um, Dublin do it, you know, once they get that ball in their hand and they're looking for that overload with the goalkeeper in the first third, the rest of them are flushing on through. And if you don't track them players, then you're going to be in a very difficult situation. And if you do track them, you're in a low block. So it's not, I don't I don't actually believe that uh, everybody wants to be in a low block all the time. I actually would really disagree with that. But tactics, offensive tactics are moving the dial in terms of defensive tactics. And I think uh, maybe 10 years ago, defensive tactics were moving the dial in terms of offensive tactics. People were asking questions uh, and, uh, and, and running into difficulties. And now people understand uh, the game much better, both sides of it. And so it's going to take, um, it's gonna take um, you know, shifts in the game again uh, to move that before people start following that again, Brendan, that would be my take on it, you know. And that's why we will always keep an open mind uh, in terms of um, in terms of all that. Uh, and for me personally, like um, you know, the fingerprint of our team previously was transitional football, uh, and uh, and that that for me will always be the case. And um, you know, I just love that energy and intensity, and you know that doesn't necessarily come from the defensive structure anymore. Most of that transitional football now comes from the opposition's kickouts or your own kickouts, uh, and that's why teams are working so hard to make things happen uh, in those two phases of play because it's a moment when the ball is in con- on in contest. If you decide to make it a contest. Um, because uh, some teams will decide we don't want to make it a contest, we'll, we'll let them have it and, and they're going to build the play. But then you're into the scenario where they've got the ball and if they're good on the ball and they know what they're doing on the ball and they're going to drag you forward, then you're going to be in a difficult spot the whole day. Um, you know, So all of them things, I think, sort of tie into each other in relation to uh, sort of how you want to control the game, allowing the opposition to control the game, and that's that's coming down to possession at the minute, and that's why we've gone, you know, uh, the way we've gone in the early stages of, of of the season so far, we've been asking questions um, of teams to see how we can how we can navigate that, and not just how you can navigate it, but also, um, you know. Um, What's the impact of that? You know, is it successful, unsuccessful, you know, um, worth holding on to? And I've always believed that, you know, you have to have an idea or ideas. Like previously in the Mechanic Cup, even, you know, 12, 13 and 14, we, all, we would always have road tested about five or six concepts from the year previous and maybe one or two of them would stick. So we've done the exact same thing this time around, but probably with more concepts because you're coming in, uh, you know, after a long period uh, of not being there, and you need you need a lot of answers to a lot of questions, and there'll be less next year. But I think it's important to ask those questions. I think it's important as a coach as well 
to be thinking about those things because if you run from 24 to 25 to 26 to 27 it's the same thing you were doing last year you know you're going to go stale and your players are going to go stale you have to try to find ways to innovate your own game plan and you know and the last time around our game plan innovated the game you know that that was outside of our control it's not you know and um and it's impossible to it's impossible to you know to create the carbon copy anyway it's it's just impossible like not unless you're coaching the exact same way as it's been coached it's not going to be the same thing you know and um i think you know we had uh, a defensive intensity and a transitional game and i think if you looked at what came after that with county teams and club teams i would say it's it's defensive shape and not defensive intensity and a lack of transitional like when when Donegal won the ball last year you know, I would say there was an eighty percent chance that, that ball was going to go lateral yeah. instead of forward. Uh, you know, so you can have all the bodies back and you want in the world, but as soon as you win that ball and you go lateral, you're allowing the team to go to, to go back anyway. So that and that's why I say, you know, um, it's it's all about your own belief system and and how that ties in with the players you have, and um, and so yeah, all of those types of things are things that are swirling around in your head constantly as you're trying to piece this thing together you know when you have to take the the rough with the smooth during that period you know like we had some very good outings in the mechanic cup without over egging the mechanic cup and uh and then sort of a dose of reality on on saturday evening and that's 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 all good we probably learned more in the second half on Saturday evening than we did in the previous three and a half games, you know. Yeah, very interesting, Jim. And I think you're responding to some of the criticisms around Donegal. People marrying them. The difference is the transition. And as we've seen, it was, we haven't seen graphs where the Dublin team, that brilliant Dublin team, were highlighted with basically their full team inside the 40, let's say. But the transition meant that you didn't notice it. Because when they broke, they broke with pace, like Donegal did. And I think that's the difference. A lot of teams mirrored the defensive shape without having the attack. So as soon as they won it, they give it to the safe option, which was a simple hand pass back or lateral, as you said. Mm-hmm. And when what that did allowed the other team to drop in. So what you had was two teams that you thought were playing blanket defence, but without the quick transition or an attempt mm-hmm. to go forward or kick past the ball, you had a real stalemate. And then that was thrown back to Donegal, not saying you're copying Donegal. But as you said, it wasn't a complete copy. And but, yeah, but um, I think as well, Brendan, like... You have to understand who you are yourself, you know. And if you go back to when we played and 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 historically before that and since that and now, like if you think about Donegal and who Donegal are, you know, we're we're probably a top eight team. You know, when we're going well, we're a top four team. When we're not going well, we are where we are now, and that's in Division Two. And you'd be expected to be maybe in the top two and you know, in Division 2. So you're a top 10, top 8, top 4 when you're going... That, that's what, what we are. And so, you know, there's always those star-studded teams that are going to be up there from a Donegal perspective, historically, the whole way through our history. And so we have to understand that we are a team that's fighting that adversity and fighting that challenge and that was the reason we did what we did we had to climb that ladder and we're in the exact same situation now we have to climb that ladder and for Donegal success in the long term would be that sort of consistency of top four or top three or top two but that's 
history has shown us that's almost impossible. That's almost impossible because of the Dublins and the Kerrys and so forth of this world. So we, we have to understand where we are and that then filters into what you need to do. You know, you know um, the teams at the bottom of the Premier League play Man City and Liverpool and these teams differently than they play each other. That's the reality. You know, because they know who they are. And equally, Man City make 800 passes in a game because they know who they are. They know they're the best with the best players and the best infrastructure and the best support systems and the most money. So they play the game a different way and they see the game a different way. And those other lads at the bottom, if they don't do what they do, they don't win. And the interesting thing in the last 10 years is the things that we were doing 10 years ago are the things that the top teams do now because they have to win because they have to win. And so now it's up to the bottom tier and like there's I would not bottom tier but there's 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 a, a a top tier in my opinion at the minute, you know, and you could put Derry and Dublin and Kerry into that and there's another tier then, you know, your Mayo's and your Galways and and so on and so forth. And then there's another tier and we're in that third tier at the minute. So we have to find a way to get from tier 3 to tier 2 before we can start thinking about tier 1 and that that is the reality. And I think too much is made about sort of the impact. The impact, the reason I think Donegal had such an impact on the game the last time round was there was like a light bulb moment that, well, if they can do it and they're historically that top eight, top ten team, then maybe we can do it as well. And that's why so many people latched onto it. And so um, that doesn't change anything from our point of view. We are still historically... We are where we are. And at the minute, it's not tier two, it's tier three. And so we have to find a way to come again, build a team and build a group and try to, to climb that ladder. And that's not going to be easy. That's not going to be easy because the dial has moved and, uh, you know, so much is going into every single aspect of it and so many teams now are so tactically savvy. It's not going to be uh, an easy task and that's why that's what you get up in the morning for. That's, what, that's what's enjoyable about it. Jim, just you, you mentioned there previous about players' fitness and, and keeping everybody out. How do you juggle the whole season now? Because it's different from the last time you were here, particularly with the group stages of the championship. And my question is twofold. You've McKenna Cup, you've the league, you've Ulster, and then you have the, the, the group stages of the championship. Is is in many ways the group stage of the championship um in terms of success, is is does Ulster handicap the Ulster teams getting in it? And how do you keep the Donegal say between that extra training you want to put in and the freshness and the whole season in general? Yeah, listen, um, Ulster has always been handicapped. You know, that's the reality. Like, you know, you have other counties and other provinces that just slide straight into a provincial final and then that sets them up, you know, for the next big game. That has always been the case. But equally, you know, they, those counties don't celebrate uh, a provincial championship the way we do and that, and that and that's the trade-off um, and so yeah like it, it'll never ever change for me Brendan you know spent my whole life trying to win a provincial championship you know and um, and so did you and, and lots of others that never managed it that were phenomenal still, still haunts me yet. Ah, exactly <laughs> you know and and, 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 and loads more and, and brilliant teams uh, and the reason for that was it was so bloody hard to win it That that's the reason for it and so um, so you know 
from our point of view, you can sort of have a moan about that, or you can say no, it doesn't. It doesn't impact in anything. You know, there's always going to be two championships, in my opinion. You know, we've cast the net wide in the McKenna Cup, and we've looked at lots of things and lots of people, only with the view of trying to narrow things down and get more focused in the national league, and that will only be used to narrow it down even more in the lead into that Derry game. And then the number one thing for us is, is Celtic Park because it will never ever change. My my thought process and you know I remember us playing in a, me- a mechanic uh, not a mechanic cup game a railway cup game and uh, and playing in, in railway cup games uh, previous to that with you know with uh, Noel Haggerty and Martin McHugh and Yudanti Toll and Henry Downey and James McCart and all these lads like and uh, there were brilliant games uh, and brilliant uh, players like and that competition was talked down by every single person that had a microphone, that competition was talked down into oblivion. And there's a lot of people in the GEA that are hell-bent and talking down the provincial championships, even though the provincial championship in Ulster, is there's no change on it. It's still the exact same thing that it always was. But people's perception of it and oh, people not taking it seriously and people focusing on, on the All-Ireland and you... Absolute nonsense nonsense but but you know a, a paper doesn't sort of uh renege ink and, and conversations uh you know in podcasts but the bottom line is for us it will always be the number one competition and whenever we're out of that competition the next one will be the number one competition there's two competitions every single year um in terms of championship football and you focus on the first one first and you focus on the second one second and and that is absolutely it and so for us everything from the very first training session to that ball being thrown in at Celtic Park is focused on that moment. Nothing else. Nothing else. And we will obviously be going out to one as many games as we can in Division 2 and you're trying to get promotion and you're trying to keep the wheel turning and build the positivity and get up and play at a higher level the next year. But the only reason you're trying to do that is to be in a better place, to be playing better teams so you're better positioned for the Ulster Championship. Yes. You know, So you have to have that... You have to have that context all the time, you know, when you're making decisions at this time of the year, um, what 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 works and what doesn't work and um, and who's available and who's not and who's fit enough and who's not. And sometimes fellas have to play to put them in the right spot for that game down thing. And, and today or Sunday could be impacted in that, but you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about that, that sunny day when the referee reaches for the ball and throws it up into the sky, that's all you're thinking about. Yeah, and I know you're going to revel in this Derry game, Jim. And, and finally, question, listen, the, the insights have been phenomenal there. Really, really enjoyed it. Jim, in terms of success going into this season, I know it's year one, there's so many things to be do, to be done. You have the McKenna Cup, you have the league. I'm just gauging from talking to you there. You're not thinking about the group stage of the championship at all. You're thinking about Ulster. And whatever happens after that happens, but your total focus is on getting through the league now in terms of if we come up, hopefully we do. But again, it's about unearthing players and about play, getting players' mindset right, getting your tactics in place. And then it's all about Celtic Park uh, in, the, uh, in the start of the championship. Yeah, like, I mean, the group stage is the All-Ireland. Like, so you don't even know who you're playing. Do you know what I mean? You know, uh, you can't you can't be there, and it would be disrespectful to the to the other competition. Um, you know, so we will work hard in the national league to make sure we're putting ourselves in the best spot possible. We also know, you know, after Saturday night, seeing Derry up close and personal, that that's going to be a huge task. They are they are you know a, a finely tuned machine at the minute uh, with huge belief in themselves. 
Uh, and that's that's a really good combination, you know, and uh, that's what we want to strive for. Um, and we have to we have to close that gap as much as we can between now and then um, to to make that game as competitive as possible. Uh, and if we were uh, somehow managed to get over that game, then you know who you're going to get in the next one. So that that that's all it is, Brendan. It's just that full focus on today with that picture in the back of your mind that we need all of these guys to be in the right spot um you know um as it may be 12 or 13 weeks this weekend you know yeah jim mcginnis thanks very much for joining us in the thanks, DL debate Brandon. always Cheers. a pleasure thank you yeah brilliant stuff from jimmy mcginnis really enjoyed that uh, some great insights and um i'm sure as the season goes on we'll get some more words from jim um uh, it was brilliant to get down there and chat to him today. Really enjoyed it. Um, I think, you know, he really opened up in terms of what he thinks football's at now and I think the difference in the way sides are willing to play. And it was, I suppose it was pointing at the way Derry, you know, we're looking at a side like Derry, back-to-back also champions, but they're still willing to play that really rigid percentage game. And he's talking about climbing up the ladder and how difficult that is now. And, the, and you can tell from how he's talking there, the hours and ours then put the analysis, the planning, the tactics to get the Donegal to claim this a ladder. But certainly we look forward now to this week and it's Cork and McCool Park. Hopefully the one settles a bit, get everybody out there and support. It matters so much to the team, uh, the big Donegal support. And we've already seen that in the McKenna Cup so far. So that's Jim McGuinness's tale. Coming up now, we're going to speak with Michael McMullen, who is live at Mahara and all the celebrations that are going on there. We'll be speaking to Michael just after this break. What a story indeed uh, from the weekend. We had All-Ireland Club Finals. Uh, the Waddy Grahams of Glen went in search after their heartbreaking defeat uh, last season to kill McCull Croaks and a bit of controversy. They already accounted for them in the semi-final and a lot of them were expecting a straightforward victory. Not, I wouldn't say straightforward, but they were huge favourites going into the game. I have a man up here now that knows a bit about them and the area, and he's going to talk to us live from Mahara, Michael McMullen. How are you, sir? Brent, uh, form's very good. Mahara is absolutely buzzing. Uh, two degrees, the, the famous Monday club band uh, that everybody in Ireland knows about are playing, and uh, the homecoming has been and gone on the back of a lorry. Yeah. Seamus McFerrin, Andy Merrigan, and uh, John McLaughlin, and... Playing our champions, big, big, big night. Three big names there, three big trophies indeed. Um, uh, what, what a few years, Mal. And I, I texted you earlier and you said, listen, I'm going to be in the middle of town. And I said, no, that's great because it gives you a bit of atmosphere and a bit of vibe for what's what's happening there. Um, uh, what a few years, uh, Mal. You know, uh, people talking about some of the powerhouses of Ulster and coming through and how long it takes and that. You know, from Glen there, from the phenomenal underage and, and the breakthroughs and now to be at the pinnacle of club football. Have you ever seen a story like that, Mal, in all your time? Well, it's, a, it's definitely a fast growth, Brenton. Like, two, 2013, they were relegated. They didn't win the Intermediate Championship. They obviously dominated minor football. And actually, in the middle of the noughties, there was a couple of years where they couldn't actually field the minor team, I was told last night. Uh, so that's where they've came from. It makes the story even more uh, seismic than it actually is, but... To have won three Derry Championships, two Ulster, one All-Ireland with Kilku after extra time who won the All-Ireland and Kilmacud obviously in the final are the only two teams to have beaten them under Malachy's tenure in Championship. That's an amazing statistic. That's amazing consistency. And I suppose it's no coincidence that uh, 
and the American Cups in the hall behind me here. Yes, yes, indeed. And, and Michael, going on the game, of course, you know, after the after the the, the victory over Kilmacud, you know, you've seen Maguire getting the players down the tunnel quick and, and being very conscious of getting the head down and getting ready for the final, of course. Bridget's coming over Castlehaven, not playing well in the second half, and almost everybody, Mel, kind of thought that over the course of the game, that Glenn would have more firepower, be better, just all round team, and they would they would kind of I'm not saying comfortable, of course, a final, but they thought they would in some way control the game enough to see it out, and the game was anything like that. I mean, you you had to be impressed by what Bridget brought to the game. I definitely am and Brendan if you're talking about Glenn it was probably the most on Glen like performance like chatting to some of the fans on the Apple Green on the way down and even in around Mars they were so so nervous Brendan because they were favourites you could sense that they were nervous but I would sort of say to them look you're a team that are good at playing with the ball regardless of the conditions like you saw the fog like it was difficult but they were the exact opposite. They were giving the ball away. They were kicking it out over the sideline. And when it was coming back, Ben O'Carroll had an acre of room to do damage. And it was worrying for them. And the problem, the other problem was that any time went up the pitch, they're misfiring. And it's, mm. not a, it's not a good combination. Yes, yes. I don't, you, you always felt there was passages of play, though, I thought, uh, Michael, where Glenn really controlled the ball. But as you say, they were snatching at chances and hitting from long range. And, you know, some subs were coming on, having a goal probably at the wrong time, particularly when they needed to eat into that four-point deficit. And the camera span around the Malachi Rourke a few times, and I thought, God, it just doesn't seem to be happening. Uh, you know, in them mm-hmm. pivotal moments... Um, then we had, of course, well, the glass cometh there, cometh, cometh the man scenario. What's your feeling on that goal in terms of the, 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 the keeper coming out, the positioning? Obviously lost his bearings and a lot of the things led to it, but certainly glass kept his cool. And that, that I think, there was never, I don't think points were going to be enough. Possibly you could say they might have got to a draw point, but even that looked difficult and unlikely, but certainly a goal was needed and, and, and glass conjured up a wonder goal. They definitely weren't going up one up without that goal, you know. And as we saw in the minutes after that, sure, it was a last minute free that was missed, so they needed that goal. And as you say, the goalie was out of position, and he just went for it. Like he actually said in his interview that he just had to go for it. Like this time last year, he had a snapshot. Connor Fair saves it, and it's Kill McCod who are all Ireland champions. And I was interviewed Tiernan Flanagan afterwards, and he actually said he was behind glass when he took the shot and he sort of thought look there's only one place this is going here and uh, but you know it just capped off everything that he did like whenever they were struggling in the first half he made three interceptions that unseen work that he does and probably a lot of people don't actually see it he scored a point with his left foot when they needed a score he went for absolutely everything in the middle um, he, he, he slammed over a 45 and then as you say that goal um, what what a performance! Um, you know, there's absolutely nothing else he could have done <laughs> in his whole hour yesterday. They would they would have battered it. It was a, probably a a ten a ten performance of such a thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and and well, I suppose you know you looked at the first half. There was a couple of really last ditch blocks, and you always get the feeling of cool Park. You know, it is a forwards type pitch. I mean, you have players like Ben O'Carroll and them, you know, nipping around, changing runs. Like the, I was really impressed with some of the movement uh, of Bridget's. But again, 
For every movement, there seemed to be a last-minute uh, a ditch block. There was some phenomenal blocking by Glenn right up until the end of the game. Remember, I think it was O'Carroll as well. There was a brilliant block down. You know, there was some heroic efforts from their defence to, to, I suppose, that, that, that made up for a lot of the misses from the forwards. Yeah, that one you're talking about, well, Tiernan Fanning had made one in the first half when the house was down, but that one you're talking about, Brenton, it was Cattle Mulholland who had spent 10 minutes in the sin bin. Probably, right. you can imagine his, his whole career was probably going through his head in those 10 minutes about have I missed my chance. And when he went on, and I, th- I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, this, it might have been level or Glenn might have been one up, I can't remember, but you know that block was another dose of energy. And another thing that sort of sticks out with me when you're talking about those chances was after Glenn's goal, Ethan Doherty took possession and where most of the game he was bottled up, he just seemed to ha- he seemed to have a completely different new level of energy after the goal. And he just got that feeling even from that run that there's only going to be one winner. Mm. I, I felt that, that run alone typified it, I thought. And, and, and Miles, just, just at that point with the black card and the four points up and that, and we see this all the time, Mal. Did, was, was it Glenn was enforcing them? Because so, I thought they were anyway. And, and Bridges looked to sit and, and probably thought they would tag on one or two. It's just when they broke forward in, they seemed to be very isolated. And it seemed that Glenn were just building up this head of steam. You know, they were, they couldn't get the, the, the scores that they needed. They pull it back in points up in the glasses goal. But you really sent, I think, they really feel a champions. Maybe, maybe the Bridges didn't have in that vital moment to maybe get possession and work it up the pitch. It seemed to be very much a, a breakout and somebody would be caught in their own along the line. They would turn over possession and Glenn would build again. Uh, that's probably bang on. It'd be interesting to ask Bridget's their view on that because, as you say, it was isolated and when it went up, Ryan Dugan put in an, off, an unbelievable second-half performance on O'Carroll. He made a, he made a turnover. You used that word isolated. He, used a, he made a turnover under the scoreboard. And, you know, one of those ones where you roar and fist pump when you do it. And I remember looking up at the scoreboard and thinking, there's still time and St. Bridges haven't pulled away yet. Um, So, and Glenn seemed to be happy enough to think, well, we're going to put Dugan back on on, on O'Carroll and we're chasing this game. It's up to every other person to just go for it. You know, is there any point in being beat by four points? You may as well be beat by 44 as opposed to not go for it. Yeah. Listen, Mal, what, what a story, and I think the whole country is captured by it, and I suppose the drama then that led there, particularly after the defeat last year, third year in a row, a team has come back from losing the final to win it. I suppose Bridget can take that as a, as a consolation. We mainly see what they come with next year. But, Mal, listen, just from all of us here in Donegal, just want to wish us well done. You have a great night up there in Mahara, and uh, make sure you're in at work early tomorrow morning. Never miss a day's work, Brenton, never. <laughs> My man. Fair play to you. You're a legend of a man. Well, listen, thanks so much for that update uh, this evening. And as I say, enjoy the celebrations. Thanks, Brenton. Brilliant. Michael McMullen there, as ever. Great man, the chatty up in Mahara. Folks, that's the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Jimmy's interview. Joe Dex producing here, of course. Michael McMullen, you just head there. Head of sport. Osh and Kelly, as I say. Sister Sarah's and everyone for supporting the show. Uh, we're playing Cork next week. We'll be back to review it and all the other GA news of the week. We'll talk to them.